How you guys doing? I'm so excited today, my friends. Welcome to Christian Podcast Live from Costa Mesa, California. My name is Beto Gudiño, and I bring you incredible, top-notch, superstar God thinkers to talk about matters of Christianity and culture through the lens of emoji reactions that range from blasphemous to divine. And today is no exception. We have number one New York Times bestselling author, Shannon Bream. Shannon, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? <laughs> I'm doing great, but I just from your intro, I feel like I'm not cool enough to be on the show. I feel like everything is very hip, and so I'm going to try <laughs> to keep up, but thanks for inviting me. Wow. Well, I'm super excited. As a communications guy, um, I have a side of me that's journalistic and i feel like this is a dream come true so thank you so much for being on the show shannon so this is what i do at the beginning of the show okay so i have your book right here in my hands which is the mothers and daughters of the bible speak this is your latest book it came out yesterday right or today tuesday yeah, tuesday. Yeah. tuesday okay so it's brand, brand new. new i have it in my hands And we're going to go to the emoji tombola. So I have five emojis, and I'll let you in on my my virtual background right here. Okay. <laughs> so you can see my five emojis. So they range from blasphemous to divine. And then the, okay. em the emoji tombola picks up an emoji for us. So are okay. you ready? <laughs> as ready as I'm going to be. Okay, here we go. Whoa-oh. Emoji Tombola, reveal the emoji. It's a divine emoji. We have a divine emoji. Shannon, how do you feel about getting the coveted divine emoji on the show? <laughs> you know what? I feel like you can't, there's no better emoji that you could get. And as long as it's applied to the book, which is really about God and about the Bible, he is 1000% divine. And so I think that's an accurate emoji. Maybe not for me. You know, we're all sinners <laughs> saved by grace, but wow. he has covered me. Which, so he's divine. Love it. Which one would you pick for yourself as of today? <laughs> I would say inspired. I definitely, mm. I like that one. And I feel like I am definitely inspired by God's goodness and his forgiveness and by people like you who are living the dream and having a good time. Love it. Okay. Well, this is so exciting. Again, welcome to the show. We're going to talk about... Several things, because, uh, you know, my journalistic side needs to, like, pick your brain a little bit. But I guess I'm just going to start with a simple, simple question. And what I've been learning is that lately I feel like the, the simple questions are the harder to answer. Okay, so let's sure. see. We're going to start with this one. Are you a woman? I am. I am. Um, that is something that I embrace, my womanhood. And um, I think that people are all gifted in different ways and that uh, God creates us each unique and, and has things for us to do. And for me, my mission on this earth happens to be in the female form and body. And um, I love what God has to say about women and, and womanhood. And so I embrace it. That's me. Love it. Okay, so you embrace it. So you have this book right here in my hands. I have the Mothers and Daughters of the Bible Speak. So, what are they saying? 
they are saying have courage. Um, these stories take us through really difficult things. And who in this world has not had a tough last couple of years? I mean, people have suffered real loss. They've had real challenges in their families, their jobs, their kids, their health. They may have lost somebody they love. So um, I'd say take hearts and be encouraged. These women found themselves in really tough positions, many of them too, um, but they had God's guidance. They had courage and bravery in the moments that they needed to. And even in their suffering, I can see that God is present. And I think that's true today as well, that he sees us, he knows our names, he knows the journeys that we're on and the twists and turns we wouldn't have chosen for ourselves, the really difficult things, um, but the, he's in all of it. And I think that these women really share that message with us through their stories. Wow. Okay, Shannon, you are blowing my mind already. Like we're on, we're on like okay. five minutes in the show and you're already blowing my mind. So I want to come back to one of the stories, which is, I think... We'll do this at the end of the episode, but one of the stories that struck me the most is when you talk about um, uh, David's, what was it? The, I get confused in Spanish. Ra, ra, no, Bathsheba. 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 Bathsheba, okay. Yes. So we'll come back to that. Remind me because that's, I mean, that's just an epic story that when, when yes. I was listening to it, I was like, wow, I want to talk about that. But uh, first... Here's, here's, I'll tell you a little bit about me and this show and how it started because I think I know that'll give us a little bit of context for the next question I have. So, right. when I started Christian Podcast, um, you know, I've been doing, I started communications in Mexico. Then I came to the US. I've been doing a few interviews here and there. I saw you uh, talking to Greg Laurie on, on, a, yes. on a YouTube link, I think. And, you know, if Not I go back, ways. yeah, if I go back all the way to maybe like 12 years ago or so, uh, I, I used to do interviews with people uh, within the Christian world, I would say, you know, like rock bands and Christian bands and things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, so I got to talk to Greg Laurie too uh, back <laughs> in those days. But uh, here's where I want to go. So everything shifted in the last you know, 20, 15, 10 years with social media, with where things are going, um, especially in journalism. So I started Christian Podcast almost as, as this. Um, I had still the same passion for communications to you know, bring light and hope to the world. And I realized that you know, podcasting was becoming a great tool to do mm -hmm. that. It's almost like the, the radio of the 21st century, right? Um, so anyways, mm -hmm. I started ChristianPodcast.com. And as I was building almost like my portfolio, people coming to the show, and there's going to be like a long intro into the next question, so bear with me. <laughs> But uh, as I'm getting, um, uh, you know, to talk to people, one of the first persons that ever said yes to my show was uh, a local uh, friend who happened to be the mayor of our city of Costa Mesa, right? So, I mean, big leagues, and he's, I mean, he's a phenomenal Uh, guy, I love him. And the goal was, let's bring another mayor from Bristol, UK on the show and kind of like debate a little bit of the differences between you know, mayoring in, in England and mayoring <laughs> here. And it was during 2020. So it was, I mean, you already said it was, you know, the last two years have been all over the place. Um, socially. So anyways, mm -hmm. he, this person, Stip Mensinger, who came on the show, I don't know why, but after that, I felt like I gained some more confidence for the show mm -hmm. to talk to people, to feel more free, um, to have you no know, awesome guests on the show. So that brings me to this. I mean, you work 
at Fox News, right? And I can only imagine the type of, like, if I feel pressure when I talk to people and when I have guests, even through a screen, I can only imagine, like, the types of pressure that you feel when you're talking to uh, to anyone, right? Like, the people all over the place, but mostly people in politics, people that shape really the leadership of the nation of the United States, um, people in media. So how do you prepare? Like, what helps you? Uh, this is kind of like a teachable moment. Um, what helps you prepare and get ready to to talk to people to to almost like get this sometimes like the nervousness out like yeah. what helps you get to those places of you know being in front of people and and being yourself yeah my favorite thing and the best tool that i have is a ton of preparation i love research i'm a nerd like i love the library i love digging around now everything's online um but you can see some of my books back here i mean i love to read and so anytime i have an interview that's the first thing i do i start doing homework on people on the issue on the countries involved i mean that's what i love about my job is that i'm always learning something new because i'm like I got a lot to learn. There's a lot out there in the world. And so that's what I love is the preparation. I do a lot of homework. And so I like research, putting together packets, um, and I'll dig around and see what they've said before. So you want to see if they're consistent, um, if the positions that they've had have changed. If so, mm. why? Um, and where they are in current issues of the day, if it's um, a real big interview with a politician or, or, you know, somebody, a Supreme Court justice, president, whoever it is, um, the more preparation I have, the more those butterflies go away. Mm, wow, I love it. Okay, so how how do you deal with criticism? Uh, just being on right, being on a platform that you're viewed by so many people. I'm sure, like every now and then, you know, people don't agree with what you have to say. So, what helps you deal with you know the the bad mouthing of somebody? Well, one thing is, you know, what's coming. Um, and that's just part of the job and you, you have to get a thicker skin, which I've had to, I used to get my feelings hurt very easily, but that time is over now. Um, and so you just have to take, if I find there's real criticism, like legit, like I messed something up or whatever, good, own it, correct it, fix it. Um, but if it's just stuff like I hate your outfit or I don't like <laughs> your earrings or whatever, or you're dumb and there's no content to it, I think it's easier to brush it up. I also take breaks from social media because, you know, mm. these are people that we don't know. Some of them may have legit opinions. Like, I said, if I've messed something up, you got to own that and fix it. But if it's just people who are harping at you because of where you work, they've never watched your show, never watched your interviews, don't know what you're about. Um, I don't know why we would give them the time of day or our emotional um, reaction because, you know, life is precious and short. Take the valid criticism, but leave the rest behind. So I take big breaks from social media. So um, Lent, I didn't grow up Catholic, but I love the idea of Lent. And I always give up a few things during Lent. Um, I'm Protestant evangelical. And for me, it's reading comments and stuff on social media. So I put things out into the world that I think are important, but I'm not consuming it. And honestly, that makes me feel so much better. Like I, it's weird that I ever go back to it because it really takes the anxiety down a notch. And um, you're just not hearing from people who don't have, you know, a legitimate reason they're trying to help you or point something out. Um, sometimes they're just coming after you and how much of your time and emotion do you want to devote to that? Wow. <laughs> That's so good. Okay. I love that this is being recorded because I'm going to listen to this again and again because I need some of those um, resources in my life. And I love um, how you, I feel this is the, the now I'm going to use this word, even though I don't like it that much, but the vibe I get from you is um, 
You are very open about your faith. It seems like mm -hmm. you're very passionate about your faith. I mean, even your book, right? The, the Mothers mm -hmm. and Daughters of the Bible. Like, there's no shying away from, from where mm -hmm. this comes from. So, I guess the next question would be somewhere along the lines of, what what's your vision? How do you, let's say, aspiring journalists, aspiring people that want to be in your position in the future, right? Or podcasting. Um What, how can you be a Christian? How, how can you be a person of faith in today's like entertainment industry, mm -hmm. even just the, the giant media uh, that we have now? How do you, how do you do it? Well, I mean, for me every day, I got to be rooted back in the word and in prayer. That's how I start my day. Um, and journaling helps me too, um, to keep track of where I am and what I'm learning, that kind of thing. But I feel like when you put your roots down, For me, first thing in the morning is the best time. Mm. And you sort of get an eternal perspective, like no matter how bad this day is, and we all have some horrible days, um, it's going to be all right. God is with us. He's got a plan. And no matter what you have to cover, what you have to face, because there's so much heartbreaking news out there right now, um, God's not unaware. And he is not going to be surprised by anything that happens to you or anyone else today. So if you can be rooted in that, and I'm constantly preaching to myself, like, just be content, be at peace, um, surrender your plans to him. And it's hard because we're all born selfish and I am selfish. And it's one of the things I pray against. Um, but if we can lay things down and say, all right, God, help me to let go of what I think this day should be or what my plan should be for my life and um, surrender and embrace what you have planned. And I think when we can de you know, detach a little bit from what the world is demanding of us or what the world tells us should be important to us, um, that mindset is a really important thing. Wow, that mindset, okay. Love it. So uh, I love how you said in the, in the book, well, I'll, I'll tell you a little story of my journey coming to the, no being in communication so like i said i started communications in mexico and i remember one time we went to a radio station in guadalajara guadalajara is the second largest city of mexico so it has i don't know like 17 million people it's massive people everywhere uh so it's a it's a beautiful great city fun city Uh, we went to this radio station and we were just kind of like getting to know people in the industry, right? In the entertainment or media industry. Mm -hmm. And one of the persons that was there was a radio host and he kind of like came out and you know, said hi to us and introduced us a little bit into his role. And then he said in the, in the media industry, people don't care about what's going on in your life. You know, if you're like a, the news anchor, if you're the people giving the news on the radio, in this case on the radio, you know, they, they want you to tell the news. It's not so mm -hmm. much about how you're feeling that day. It's not so much exactly. about what's going on. <laughs> so uh, that just strikes me because when I was reading the book, you mentioned that um, your dad passed away, right? Mm -hmm. And those emotions, like how do you deal with, with those emotions and specifically in a, I guess you were talking about like our culture is, mm -hmm. is, doesn't know how to grieve. So how yeah. could you speak into that? How could you speak into being a journalist, being like in the, in the industry and, and speaking into, in, into that part of us as humans emotions. that we need, which is emotions, mm -hmm. it's grief, it's, it's who we yeah. are, but we need to portray a different version of ourselves on a screen maybe. Yeah. 
Right. And I find that some of these stories right now are very emotional. We're watching this heinous destruction out of Ukraine and we're seeing these moms and babies on the run. Um, and frankly, we're seeing the realities of war, people who have died and are injured and destroyed towns and cities. I mean, it is really hard to watch that. I feel like when we're on the air and talking about that and our brave crews who are there on the ground, um, we have to separate the emotion from it to get the information into the facts um, to people out there about actually what's happening because that holds people accountable and it tells you the truth about what's happening there. Um, I think when we have our own personal grief, that's really tricky too. I was actually at work when I got the call. I was getting ready to go on the air that my father had died suddenly. And we all have those moments in our life that are just um, absolutely gut-wrenching, heartbreaking. And um, I still think back about, you know, my coworkers who rallied around me, um, made sure I was okay, made sure my husband came and got me and then I got home and we began the process of um, dealing with his sudden death. And um, I, I feel grateful that I have a, a bunch of coworkers who are like family. We've shared those moments with each other with moments of great loss. But I do think sometimes Christians feel like we have to seem like we have it all together in times of grieving that um, I do believe, you know, I'm going to see my, my fellow Christians again in heaven. I'll be with my family again. My mother-in-law just passed away. We grieve over that, but we know we'll see her again. So I think there's um, great joy in that, but that doesn't mean we're not going to have minutes where we're just crying. Our hearts are broken. Um, we're just pouring out to God um, the best that we can. So I think that um, grief is a beautiful thing and, and we shouldn't be ashamed of it or embarrassed when we when we feel heartbroken. Um, there are just times in life that that's going to happen. And I think when we're vulnerable, we can connect with other people um, and meet them in their grief when they see the transparency of ours. So um, I think professionally when I'm on the job, it's something I've got to um, temper uh, so that I can do my job. Um, but in personal life, I think we should be more open, I think, about grieving and the fact that there's no shame in that at all. It's it's a very natural and healthy thing. And God gave us our emotions and our tears and he knows our hearts and when they break over losing someone. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's so good. And I almost, I almost, I feel like I need, I need like a five seconds to think about that. You know, even as, you know, people that are listening or people that are watching right now, I feel like even, I want to give you a break even, you know, because <laughs> I, I know the type of work that you do and the type of pressures that you must feel. And I feel like sometimes even, you know, even me preparing for this show, I'm like, wow, she's a she's a legend, you know, and no, I feel no. like, <laughs> well, you are, you are. And I feel like I, I need to breathe deep, like enjoy the moment, like enjoy this time right now. And I guess the, the invitation, I don't know if it's it's just what I witnessed, not only with people in the media, but maybe like you were saying, maybe our culture, um, maybe because of social media, right? That information travels so fast and hits us mm -hmm. so hard. And sometimes uh, we get a little bit callous to, to yeah. things happening right. in the world, right? Um, mm -hmm. So anyways, I feel like it's good to pause. It's good to grieve. And it's okay. an invitation for people listening, right? To say, how are we doing? Like, how are we feeling? what's going on, right? I love how my pastor always says, um, you know, when he talks to, I mean, a pastor, right? A pastor, we, we it's another great example because sometimes we think of pastors as um, you have it all figured out. You Perfect. have it all together, right? right? Mm -hmm. And then he says, when he goes to his friends, like, I need a friend. I need to talk to you as my mm -hmm. friend. I don't need, right. right? I'm not your pastor right now. I just want to be your friend. So, I love how you said you have people in your life that pour into you. 
uh, and that helps you stay, I guess, stay human, right? Um, so what makes, I guess, if we're talking about a little bit of womanhood and you have your book about mothers and daughters of the Bible speak, what do you think makes a woman beautiful? You know what? I, when I'm asked this question, like, who's the most beautiful person that you know, I think about my friend, Mariam, and I talk about her in the book because she's somebody who has her own um, struggles and burdens in life. And yet she is the most generous, open, godly woman. And she's funny. She's full of good humor. She's able to um, meet life's really big challenges that she's had. She's one of these people, her home is open. She's got people living there. She's taking care of people. Um, she's just so generous of spirit. And she, to me, is like, got a glow. Like she's a beautiful person who shows Christ, lives Christ, kind of um, is so beautiful to me inside and out. And she's been there for me in really tough moments and really dark moments. And she's been a bit of a spiritual mother or mentor to me. And um, she's somebody I can count on, you know, one of those people 24 um, seven, if I wound up in jail or the hospital, I don't want to go either of those places. Um, Mariam would pick up the phone if I called and needed help. She's just um, very much a servant's heart, but she enjoys hospitality and welcoming people into her home and into her life. And she's just beautiful, top to bottom, inside and out. Mm, wow, so good. Okay, so you talk about many women in the Bible. I think in this one says lessons on faith from nine biblical families. And I would love to talk about a little bit about the 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 woman I was listening. And I think this is just kind of like a side note, but you were, is it your voice on the book when I listened yes. to it? Right. Oh, okay. So that was, that was amazing. No, if I was, you like it. Yes. If you didn't like it, no, but yes, it was me. <laughs> <laughs> it was me. Yes. Okay. No, it is you. So I was listening to all the stories, but the one that, that, um, I guess maybe just because my wiring, but the one that really caught my attention was Bathsheba and yes. David, and there's a lot to learn from that story, but here's mm -hmm. here's maybe just the fun snippet that I was thinking when, when I was listening to the story. It's like, wow, the Bible is like the original Game of Thrones. I know. <laughs> right? People may not know that, but man, you pick it up and start reading, you'll find that out. Yes. Okay, so tell me i mean tell us a little bit about the story of Bathsheba in the bible if like you would summarize the story yeah so a lot of people and i had this impression growing up you hear about Bathsheba that she was this woman that king david was out looking around one night on his rooftop and saw her bathing down below wanted her asked about her found out she was married to someone else and still called for her to come to the palace. Now, the version I sort of heard growing up is that it was all her fault. Like she was sort of this temptress. But if you go to scripture, that's not what it says. And I think it's important to be true to what the scripture says in any case about anything, um, but certainly in this story. So she ends up going to David. They are together physically. She becomes pregnant and he tries to hide the whole thing by calling her husband, who's away in battle where David was supposed to be. And he calls the husband home um, to try to make him think it's his baby, but the husband won't go and sleep with his wife because he's like, no, no, my men are on the battlefield. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> so David's wow. plan doesn't work very well. So Uriah, the husband, goes back into battle. David realizes he's not going to be able to pass this pregnancy off as Uriah's baby. So he actually schemes with his military leader to have Uriah, the husband, sent to the most dangerous part in the front of the battle and get him killed. And that's what happens. And then 
David buries Bathsheba. She comes into the palace. Uh, they have a baby. They have a son. And that baby, as punishment, essentially, God's like, this child is sick and it's not going to live. And David poured out his heart, begging for the life of that child, and was later confronted with his sin when the, the prophet Nathan went to him and said, um, gave him a parable of sorts, said there was this rich man. He had all these things. He could have had anything he wanted, but he went to the poor man and stole the one lamb that he had. And David's like, you know, this man must pay. And Nathan's like, that's you. You're the guy. So Bathsheba is caught up in this whole painful, horrible, murderous story. And I kind of forgot about her at that point. But but what I found in studying her is that there's a lot about her I didn't know. In fact, the reminder that she ended up being the mother of King Solomon. And there's a lot in the Bible, and I include in the book, how she's really pivotal in helping him rise to the throne. And this is the man who's described as the wisest ever. I mean, God went to him and said, what do you want? And King Solomon said, I want wisdom. And God said, okay, because that's what you asked for, I'm going to give you that, plus all the fame and the fortune and the palaces and all that stuff. So Bathsheba raised this man who became this very wise, incredible king. She was important in getting him to the throne. And I just think, gosh, there's so much we don't know about Bathsheba. And I hope that people will feel like they know her. Like, I feel like I know her so much better after Mm -hmm. researching and writing that chapter about her. Yes, I feel like I know her way better now, thanks to you Mm -hmm. and thanks to this book. so yeah, one of the things I love about what you say in the in the story is that prior to this story, uh, women or moms weren't mentioned in when when kings were introduced, right in the mm-hmm. Book of Kings. So after uh, the story of David and and Bathsheba and Solomon becoming the next king, right? Um, after that, then women start being included in the in the introduction of the king yeah right i mean that that little snippet is amazing interesting yeah okay so i love that oh you're gonna say i didn't know that before that that you know she was the first one that yes when he rose to the throne she was sort of like the queen mother like he got a throne for her like she was going to be part of his kingdom and it was just as important and yeah moving forward then when we hear about the kings we hear about their mothers as part of identifying who they are and explaining who they are so that started with solomon and bathsheba Mm-hmm. Wow. So I I feel like the Bible is so intricate, right? Because I guess a lot of people, if I'm playing maybe on my skeptical emoji a little bit, uh, some mm-hmm. people, when they hear the Bible, it, uh, something I maybe been listening to lately is, oh, look how women are treated in the Bible, mm-hmm. right? Or, oh, there's slavery in the Bible. How come? And things like mm-hmm. that. And I mean, the to me, it seems like you are elevating the voices of the women in the Bible in a way that uh, we can see the beauty of who they were and even of the circumstances that they faced, even though they were harsh, like you're saying Bathsheba, you know, her husband was murdered by this guy. She ended up having to marry the king. But then it's almost like this sense that she she got to understand the Game of Thrones, right? Like how to, how to rule in these scenarios. Maneuver. Maneuver. Mm-hmm. I love that. Uh, but for a good cause, I think, you know, because Salomon gave us the Proverbs, right? Yeah. So, and how much wisdom, I mean, you can read one of those, I know a lot of people do one every day of the month, but I'm like, oh my mm-hmm. gosh, I could park on every verse. There's just so much to learn. It's mm-hmm. good stuff there. It's, I love it. Cause, um, one thing I love about Salomon is that he, I guess you can elaborate on this cause I think you said it on the book. Um, he requested, like God said, what do you want? I'll give mm-hmm. you whatever you want. And he requested like the, the most amazing thing. So can you elaborate a little bit on, on yeah. how Salomon got so, to this request to God? 
you would think that a lot of people would say, I want a winning lottery ticket. I want to be the most powerful man in the world. I want to have all the palaces. I want all the money, the gold, whatever it was. But yeah, Solomon was humble enough to say, I'd like wisdom. And honestly, probably a lot of us pray for that too. I do, because I know I need it. Mm -hmm. Um, But God said, because you didn't ask for all that stuff, I'm going to give you wisdom and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, Solomon was somebody who was very trusted as a leader. He was wise. He's known for, you know, when there was this dispute over this baby um, that, you know, he was wise enough to say, not knowing who the real mother was, okay, we're going to cut the baby in half and you can each have a half. And then the (laughs) real mother steps up and says, no, she can have the baby. What a wise thing to Mm. think through that you would say, I know how to solve this because the real mom is never going to let this baby get harmed. So Mm -hmm. he had so much wisdom um, and that's what he asked for. And God blessed him because of it. Mm -hmm. Wow. And I love that because there's so much wisdom in the Bible for today's day and age. So Mm -hmm. when, when I'm thinking women today, I'm thinking women in the future, I'm thinking women in the industry in the media, in podcasting, in everywhere, just the women of the 21st century and beyond. How, what would be um, maybe a word of advice from, from you into, I guess the invitation is, how can we find the beauty of these women that for, for a lot of people can seem so archaic or old fashioned or not important to say, no, mm-hmm. these women who had a role 2,000 years ago or more, no, 6,000 years ago, they can still have a role uh, in your life in today's day and age. Yeah, I mean, because the things that they were going through in the Bible centuries ago are very much relevant today. I mean, widowhood, infertility, fleeing mm-hmm. famine and war, um, physical problems, financial problems, big time family problems, dysfunctional families, like <laughs> all of that translates to 2022. And I think that's helpful as a reminder to say like, okay, these problems have been around for a long time. These women suffer. Mm-hmm. God worked through their suffering. Um, and some of them had to be very bold and courageous. A lot of times we're called to step up and be bold and courageous today. So I think there's plenty of parallel from their lives then and our lives now. And to be encouraging, I would say, listen, God created us all in his image. We're created in the image of God. We are special. We are precious in his sight. Um, We know in the New Testament, we see how Jesus elevated women all the time. I mean, he had them as part of his inner circle and his ministry. That was not cool in in those days. He was very revolutionary in a lot of the things that he did. And so he was constantly um, fellowshipping with, elevating, teaching women. And of course, so many interactions that we see through healing, um, his resurrection, how he appeared first to a woman and made her kind of the first evangelist. I mean, women played really big roles all throughout the Bible. So I think it's it's worth, if you're skeptical, if you have your skeptical emoji, um, <laughs> or you um, think that the Bible is, is oppressive to women, I would say, dig into these stories. You may find it's something totally different than what your perception is now. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's so valuable. I love it. Thank you so much, Shannon. Um, so, okay, here's a, here's a personal, I guess, a personal question. In this, in this same line of um, teachable moment. So what is your most recent failure and what mm. did you learn from it? Mm, okay, give me a minute to think about this because uh, believe me, I have plenty. Um, hmm. 
I can put music in the background. Oh no, good music background. (laughs) Um, Personally and professionally, like there's something every day I feel like I miss an opportunity to get something right or God asked me to do something and I'm like, I'm so busy or that's weird, I don't wanna do it. Um, Those are the kind of failures that I think about a missed opportunity to maybe serve somebody else or reach out to somebody else. Um, We all make mistakes. Mistakes are one thing. I think we all also purposely choose to do things that aren't right. We call that sin. Mm. Um, so for me, my most recent failure, I've lo- I lost my temper. I would say it's mm. not a pretty thing. Um, I'm traveling a lot. I'm working a lot right now um, with work and, and the book. And some of my days go like 8 a.m. to like 2 a.m. That's, I mean, one of those days right now. And sometimes, you know, you can feel sorry for yourself. I think that's a failure to feel like, oh, my goodness, around us, the world has such suffering. Mm. I'm tired okay, get over it. Like I still have a roof over my head and electricity and a warm place to sleep tonight and food on the table. Um, and sometimes I, that's where I fail. I get selfish and I complain and I actually pray like, Lord, please forgive me for complaining because life is so good and blessed. Even in my worst moments, even in the darkest valleys of trials that I've been through, God's been there in it and, um, how grateful I should be for every day. So I say my most recent failure was complaining and losing it and feeling sorry for myself. Wow. Wow, that's amazing. I don't know if with your um, being away from social media, were you aware of uh, somebody else losing their temper recently at the Oscars? Yes, I did hear about that. <laughs> I still, I'm still in the camp of like, Is any of this staged? I don't Mm. know. I'm not an expert, but I've watched the video a few times. And so I still have a lot of questions. Lots of questions. Yeah, you're on skeptical emoji with that one. (laughs) I definitely have a little bit of skeptical emoji over that. Okay. And also the surprise shocked emoji. (laughs) The blasphemous. Okay. So here's uh, uh, three questions from... (laughs) So my kids love the emojis. Not so much yeah. the theological questions on my show, but they love the emojis. <laughs> and they, you know, I told them, hey, what kinds of questions would you ask uh, a news anchor? So okay. I have three questions I'm about to ask you. Are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> okay, here we go. <laughs> from the kids, like fire away. Yes, from the kids. Do you like cheese? Yes, I do. Um, I don't, my stomach doesn't do great with dairy, but I find it hard to give it up completely. That's just the truth. All right. What do you love to eat? Mm, chocolate chip cookies, but it's usually just the dough, the batter. I like it before they get cooked. Um, so I am guilty of that. If I take the time to make the dough or buy it at the store, it usually doesn't make it into the oven. Don't tell anyone. Uh, okay, uh, great. And the last one is, who is your favorite character in the Bible? I think this was my 12-year-old who asked this one. Oh, that is a great question. And honestly, I would say... It depends on what I'm going through, what I'm walking through at that moment. But Mm. I would say Deborah is one who really kind of knocked my socks off when I researched and wrote about her because she upends all those things that we hear about women as weak or subservient. And that's their only role in the Bible. Um, She was the leader of the nation of Israel and she was powerful. And God had told her to go into battle against the Canaanites who were really bad people who were oppressing the Israelites. And so she goes to her head of the military and says to him like, hey, God has told us to go into battle against them. It made no sense on paper. They had none of the same weapons or chariots or horses. They didn't have, Israel had none of that stuff. And so um, the military leader is like, "Mm, I don't really want to do that. I'm not going unless you go, but if you go, I'll do it. So here she now is 
the leading the nation of Israel as a judge and as a leader, but then she turns into a military leader too, takes them into battle. What she told her um, military leader before she went into battle, she says, because of your hesitance, the leader of the foreign uh, army is going to be delivered into the hands of a woman. And I used to think as a kid that was Deborah, like she goes full circle. It's not her. There's another character in the story, JL, who ends up killing that other bad guy. And so women are the fierce warriors in the story. They are brave. But most importantly, when God asked her to do something that didn't make any sense and other people thought was crazy, she was brave enough to say, this is what he's called me to, and I'm going to do it. So I think I aspire to be more like Deborah in a lot of ways. Wow. Love it. Okay. So this is what we're going to do now. We're going to go to the last section of our episode, which is our emoji section. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm ready. So we start off with blasphemous. And the question is, I mean, I, it, it can go anywhere because it, it's about you, right? So we could okay. either talk about women in the Bible or we could talk about the type of work that you do. So either one you choose, what would be the most blasphemous idea when it comes to women in the Bible or when it comes to the type of work that you do? Huh. Okay. Let's stick with the women in the Bible. I think one of the most blasphemous ideas is that they didn't matter or that God didn't see them or value them um, or that they weren't main players in these stories. Um, so often we hear the fantastic brave stories of the men in the Bible, like Moses and Paul and you know, Jesus himself, of course. Um, I think the blasphemous idea is to act like that women weren't um, also very important to God. He included their stories all throughout the Old and the New Testament, um, and that he doesn't love us and see us the exact same way, created us in his image and um, for his good works. Wow. <laughs> I love it. Okay. So women in the Bible are super valuable, right? Yeah. Okay. What would be the most skeptical idea when it comes to either women in the Bible or the type of work that you do or the what are you skeptical of the most? Well, I'm still skeptical of that slap at the Oscars. I need more details and more information, <laughs> maybe some more camera angles on that. Um, you know what? I do think people are very skeptical about the work that I do. Um, sometimes the work, the place that I work, because um, they want to criticize without watching. Maybe I always invite people, especially if this happens in public and they're like, you work where? I'm like, hey, please come watch our shows. Watch some of our new shows and see what you think. And I like to win over the skeptics um, on my show. It's strictly a news show. It's not an opinion show. We have guests on they can share their opinions um but we want to tell all sides of a story and we want people at home to make up their own minds i trust them i think they're smart enough to do that um so i i invite the skeptics if you are out there and you think "Ooh, fox news i don't love it um i'd say just watch some of our news shows you can watch me uh at midnight eastern or you can watch brett there bill hammer and dana prino um, martha mccallum harris Faulkner. like we have many people who are true journalists and hopefully we will change your emoji from skeptical to you love it Love it. Okay. It's too divine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so uh, let's just, I mean, I, I can I just have like a follow-up question on this, on what you just said, because I love the idea of freedom of speech. And yeah. I love the idea of like, when I went to school and I thought of journalism, I always thought of presenting like both sides of the coin. Yeah. Um, so do you think, Do you think that's being harder to do nowadays or 
or we just gotta like what's your vantage point when it comes to introducing people to both sides of the coin yeah i think it's important because it's not really exciting to give one side i think it's more interesting and um i feel an obligation that's that's i have a privilege but also a responsibility to tell people all sides of the story it's one of the best things i got from law school in my years as a lawyer before i retired mm -hmm. from that and started a new career uh, is research like there are, people can watch the same car accident and you're going to get five different versions of what happened so i think it's important for people to hear from all different sides um to get the truth and then be able to weed through that themselves and be able to make good decisions so um i think what's tricky in journalism now is a lot of people are bleeding over into advocacy and i think it's fine if you're going to do that or if you're an opinion person that can be very entertaining and i think there's a huge audience for that just be clear and tell people what the truth is about what you're doing um i have to check myself i'm a human i have my own opinions but as a news person um, i'm obligated to give you the news and the facts and i try really hard to do that wow love it and thank you for doing that that's that's what i still love about journalism is that you know that we can even with this podcast i've had people that i may not agree necessarily theologically but that's why i have emojis because yeah. no you can be on the other end of the spectrum and it's fine I still have a good conversation yeah. <laughs> right <laughs> okay so what would be an inspired idea mm. either in the type of work you do or from women in the bible This might be too easy. I don't know. But what is an inspired idea? <laughs> well, listen, I find tons of inspiration of the women of the Bible. Somebody like Esther, who was put in a really difficult position, but God put her there for that moment in time. And she rose to the occasion and found the courage that saved the entire nation of the Jewish people all spread throughout Persia, where they were going to be annihilated. I love that. Um, I got to tell you professionally right now, I find so much inspiration of the, of the people of Ukraine because nobody gave them a chance against Russia. And they are They love their country. They love their fellow men and women, and they are staying and fighting those who can. Um, the mothers and children trying to get to safety. They're bravely going for days to get to the nearest border. There are brave people who are taking them in. There are brave people who are going in and um, and helping on site in whatever way they can. So I think there's a ton of inspiration coming out of Ukraine, for sure. Wow. Love it. Well, thank you for sharing that. And one to the last is our holy emoji so what is the, the holiest of ideas either in the type of work you do or women in the bible we're definitely not going to do work <laughs> on that one we aim to do good things i don't know that any of us are holy um you know what i i think about mary the mother of jesus um she's in both of my books and i talk about her in different ways but as a mother i think about the fact that listen when the angel angel came to her and this was not her plan this is you know something that was going to upend her entire life um she was very faithful and said you know okay just as you've said let it be and she was willing to be that vessel and give up her life for what god had planned in this beautiful amazing divine appointment to be the earthly mother um, of this heavenly savior. And so she models so many things through her life. And I think about the fact that, um, you know, she had to raise Jesus and her other children, like their kids, you got to raise them and take care of them. But knowing that your child is divine from the very beginning, um, she was very humble. She never shied away. We see her through out you know his life constantly there at his side and she didn't shy away from the cross i mean she was there and i can't imagine watching your child be wrongfully accused and hurt and tortured she didn't shy away ever or think of protecting herself or turning away from the enormous 
grief she must have felt. And so not only that, she was holy through this whole process, um, you know, divinely trusting the process. She was there at his death. And we see in Acts as well that she was there in the upper room with the disciples and those who were left behind, who were the early seeds of the church, um, that she wasn't hiding out when all of them were under threat, probably for their association with Jesus. Um, But she was there and we see that she was praying with them and was a big part of the early church. So I think, um, listen, she's flawed like all of us, saved by grace. Um, I thank God for that. Um, but she's pretty close to being about as holy as a human being, uh, I think, as you could be in her journey and um, staying faithful to the end and then some. Wow. Oh, that was so good. It's going to be so hard to top that one with mm. the divine emoji. <laughs> okay. So in the type of work, maybe you can go to the type of work that you do, but... Either or, you know, the women in the Bible or okay. the type of work you do. What is the most divine idea you can think of? You know, one of the things I think is so beautiful, and this woman, I included both of my books because she was, we meet her in the Gospels, we never know her name, but she has been suffering with this issue of bleeding for 12 years. So she's spent all of her money. She's been every doctor. She's not any better, probably worse, and has no money left. And she would have been an outcast in society then. So not allowed to go to the temple or the markets or be around other people. I mean, her life would have been very isolated and depressing. And she tried everything, but she heard about Jesus. And she said, if I can just touch the hem of this garment, I'm going to go do it. And so she gets there to this crowd of people and she's able to get close enough. And that's exactly what she does. She touches the hem of his garment. And the gospels all tell us that immediately she was healed and she knew it. But Jesus knew something had happened too. And so he turns around and says, who touched me? Now, she didn't ask permission. She wasn't supposed to be there. Um, and she must have been terrified. We're told in the gospel, she falls down before him trembling and confesses the whole story to him. And there are people everywhere wanting something from him and pressing in on him. And he could have said, how dare you? You know, this is, you've broken all the rules. You're not supposed to be here. He doesn't do that. The first thing he says to her in all the gospel accounts is he says, daughter. And I love that. What a divine, beautiful thing that he does. Not only telegraphing to her, and he tells her, you've done the right thing. Your faith makes you whole. But he's also telegraphing to everybody there. Anybody who would have said, she shouldn't be here. She shouldn't touch you. She's unclean. Um, he's telegraphing to everyone watching that she is his daughter and that he approves of what she's done, even though she's broken the rules. And again, I just think that's such a divine, beautiful thing that he's come to earth. And basically his message is the same to all of us. Like, I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to save you and redeem you. And we see a real picture of that in his interaction with that woman. Wow. Wow. I can only say, wow, that is epic. You topped it off. You put the, what do you say? The, what's the word? I mean, what's the, the cherry on top, right? Cherry on top. Yes, exactly. <laughs> With the divine emoji. Thank you so much. That was beautiful. Shannon. So this is what we're going to do to end the episode. Okay. We're going to have a good time dancing. That's all. <laughs> you should know I can't dance, Beto. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> This is my move right here. Like There it. you go. It's from the 1980s. Maybe the 70s, 80s. I don't know. Yeah, I'm That's from the dance. 80s too. The best decade ever, according Amen. to me. <laughs> Beto, we agree on so many things. Yes, yeah, so many levels. Shannon, this has been amazing. I think you are solid. I, You are an inspiration to so many people. I guess... I want to end on this. It's going to be kind of weird, but it's going to be a prayer for you okay. with music in the background. I'm honored. <laughs> All I right. Love it. Okay. 
Lord, thank you for Shannon Bream. Thank you for her passion for your word. Thank you for her passion to serve you. Thank you for the ways you're using her. And thank you for this book that she wrote about the women in the Bible. Use it. Take it to new levels. Use her in the type of work that she does and beyond. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, Shannon. Amen. So good. Where can people find the book? I guess it's everywhere. Amazon, it all is. over. It is. And if you want a signed copy, I've done those too. So sometimes they get asked. You can go to signedshannonbook.com uh, or anywhere else you like to buy your books. They'll be there. Awesome. Okay. Shannon Brim, the mothers and daughters of the Bible speak a book by Fox News Books. Now available everywhere. Visit us at christianpodcast.com. Thank you so much, Shannon, for being on the show. This was phenomenal. And I'll see you guys on the next one.